This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, just an awesome privilege to be with you this morning. We are, for those that are maybe new for the first time, we're doing church a little different uh, today because it is our Vision Sunday. And so um, we just want to say a special welcome to you, especially if you are a guest here this morning. Let's welcome them to church. Amen. If you are here, I want you to do one thing for us before you leave. If you can see Deanna out in the at the Welcome Center after and pick up a free gift bag. We'd love the opportunity just to uh, bless you with that, but at the same time connect and hear your story a little bit. So if you can do that for us, that would be awesome. Um, just want to make mention of a couple of things today. When you came in, you're going to notice that there's these Vision Sunday forms or questionnaires that are on your chair. I want to make sure that you guys fill one out, not necessarily right now, but before you leave, and we're going to put it in our, the offering buckets as they go around at the very end of the service um, but uh, it's, the front side is just to help us with our database. The back side is to actually help us with uh, future planning and just processing through what God is going to be doing through the church. And so if you guys could take a moment to fill that out and put it in um, at the end of the service. Uh, some of you may have questions about some of the thoughts on the back, but we're actually going to share those thoughts in the message this morning. So you may want to hang on and do it at the end. Um, as well, there's a lot of things coming up, so I just wanted to make mention of a couple things. First of all, our Impact Interns grad is coming up the last Sunday of May. It has been an awesome year. We're actually taking off to Atlanta, Georgia, and suffering in 30-degree weather for the next three days. Just wanted to let you know. I know. We're going to suffer for Jesus. Yeah, we're going to head into a conference together, so uh, if you need a chance to talk to any of us, Sandra and I in particular, after service, uh, please talk to... Pastor Ray or somebody else, because we will be gone. As Devin has said, we're leaving on a jet plane. All right. Okay. Um, Here's what I wanted to mention and put the most special emphasis on. Um, For those that have been around our church for any length of time, you will have remembered Charlie Sweet. Um, Charlie is one of the most anointed, amazing, accurate, scary accurate prophets I have ever seen in my life. Scary. Um, And we have the privilege of having him here for an entire weekend. So May 31st, on a Friday night, he's going to be with our youth the whole night. So youth, you do not want to miss Friday, May 31st, because you get to hang out with Charlie all night. We're going to have him on a Saturday night meeting, a Sunday morning meeting, a Sunday night meeting, and a Monday night meeting. So he's just going to have fun with us all weekend long. And uh, I just love Charlie and and Cher. They are awesome people. And so I want to encourage you, if you have never even in your own life experienced prophetic ministry, you don't want to miss it. Whether he prays over you or not is irrelevant. Just to be able to experience it and see what God is doing. I can honestly say from times we've done this in the past, it's one of the most encouraging, uplifting, empowering uh, times in our church history whenever we've had him here. Uh, It's similar with Pastor Gary and Sheila, very similar uh, experience there. And last but not least, the weekend after that, June the 9th, our Ignite Youth are leading the whole service. So we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. Um, I just, uh, 
we're going to do something a little bit different today. Normally, we take up our tithes and offerings now, and, but we're actually going to do that at the end of the service. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just say a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into Vision Sunday thoughts. Um, and I'm going to have some help. Sandra's going to be helping me. Devin's going to be helping me, and others are going to be helping me with, with the thoughts this morning. But um, let's pray. And if you are fairly new to the church, uh, this is going to be um, a little bit of review in the beginning, just so you guys can get a, a feel for where the church has come from. But hopefully, by the end of it, you're going to see where we're going and why we need to go there and some of the things that we need to do to be ready for the next season. Um, because the one thing I've learned with God is we need to be ready for what's coming. And so we're going to do everything we can possibly do to get ready for God's next season for Impact Church. So I just want to pray this morning, and then I'm going to jump right in and, uh, and start sharing. Father, I'm grateful for this incredible family called Impact. God, I'm grateful for the people, not only that are here presently, but Lord, even those that have been part of our journey over the last 11 years, Lord, so many that have invested and helped and served and supported and believed in this church Um, at different times and different seasons in the journey of Impact Church. Father, we're grateful. I pray, Lord God, a very special blessing upon everyone here, but also, Lord, those that that have helped pull weight along the way. Lord, we are grateful. But God, we come this morning not just to be grateful for what happened yesterday and last year and 10 years ago, but God, we come with anticipation for what's ahead. God, we come with a heart of faith for what is ahead. God, we don't come and take this lightly. We don't come and, and, and treat it as just one other day. But, Lord, we take this seriously this morning because we know that the hand of God is on this house. And, Lord, the future that you see is so far beyond what we could ever see or even perceive. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, are you ready? All two of you, that's exciting. Wow, I just felt so amazing. And for those that noticed my, uh, my footwear this morning, I decided just to wear the shoes I'm traveling on the plane with, so I've already had a couple of people go, hey, pastor. Wow, that's different. Yes, I'm wearing my running shoes because I'm ready to run with what God's doing. Amen? Bad dad joke, pun intended, ding. Okay, there we're going. Okay, we're going to keep going. But... I'm ready. Whenever we've done um, Vision Sunday, I personally like to call it family time. That's what I prefer to call it. This is family time. So if you're brand new today, you're going to get a little experience of family time. So just sit back, you know, put up the recliner. Wouldn't that be awesome if all our chairs reclined? (laughs) You know, sip on your, you know, your chamomile tea and away we go. But this is family time this morning. Interestingly enough, almost 11 years ago to the day, Sandra and I were standing right over there underneath this kind of whited uh, off area, and in 2008, May of 2008, we actually shared our first ever Vision Sunday right here in this building, and interestingly enough, it was Vision Sunday, but on a Saturday, so it's kind of like Taco Tuesday, but on a Friday, you know what I'm saying? You know, we all want Taco Tuesday on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know what I'm saying. But um, 
four months after that Vision Sunday, we launched Impact Church September the 8th, 2008 at, at the Cineplex. Um, and that was a fun ride. And the only thing that I'm still disappointed about is that I didn't get to do scratch and sniff bulletins. That was the only thing I'm still disappointed about. Because I wanted to do like the little popcorn smell, the buttery popcorn smell, the little scratch and sniff bulletins. That would have been awesome. So what we did instead is we used popcorn buckets as the offering buckets. Come on. If that isn't God, I don't know what is. Anyhow, I wanted you to show a couple of pictures, not, not necessarily of the church itself, but I wanted you to get an idea of, of our kids. That was Josiah. The day of our Vision Sunday. Here's Hannah. There's Caleb. And Gracie and Abigail were just simply a thought. Yes, yes they were. Um, But we had a lot of fun. Interestingly enough, on that very first Vision Sunday, I read a quote by Andy Stanley to start the entire meeting off, and I'm going to start with this one here tonight as well, or this morning as well. Andy Stanley said, Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. In other words, it's not just about having an idea, but it's actually believing that that idea is absolutely necessary, absolutely from God, and must be fulfilled. That's what we came to Kingston with that heart. We believed that Impact Church not only was called to be planted here in Kingston, but we believed in the very name of this church that we were called to make an impact. That was our heart's cry from day one. With so many people at the church, or the church here right now that are fairly new in the last six months to a year, I thought I'd just go on a little journey through the history of our church. And what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to describe it as different seasons of our church. And I'm going to explain to you um, some of the goals of that season, the reasons behind that season, some of the challenges to that season, and some of the highlights from that season. I'm going to try to do as fast as I can so I can get to the real stuff today. So season one... It's 2008 to 2011, and what's awesome is we still have a number of people in our church from that season, which is cool. And interestingly and ironically enough, James is on projector today, and he was the first one on projector for our opening service September the 8th, 2000, or September 7, 2008. I thought about that as I came in this morning. I was like, well, isn't that cool? But there's a number of people that are still a part of this church that are literally pillars that have supported and served and volunteered and helped and cared, and we're just absolutely blessed by that. But the focus of that first couple of years was literally building family to help people connect. One of the things that we realized when we first got here was that there's a whole variety of of expressions of diversity in in theology and, and all of these different things. And so one of the things that we kind of set about to do through a number of different Um, events and things like that, we decided that we're going to make this church a family as good as we can possibly do it. Because we believe that in family, people can be healed. We believe in family that people can have hope again. And sometimes hope means even hope for a church. How many have ever been wounded in a church? Come on, let's be real. I have. I got a story. My book's coming out next year. Just kidding. All right. But I want you to understand that that was what we were trying to do. We were trying to establish this concept of family and connection. Connection was huge for us. And so um, the challenge we had in that first three years, and some of you may have heard this story, but the, the challenge we had is what we call vision hijackers. 
vision hijackers that would come mostly, I'll have to say, mostly from other churches and loved 95% of their other church. But the 5% they didn't like, they left over. And when they came, they wanted to make impact the 95% they did like. And so I've often said in the first year, if I had a dime for every time I said, no, that's not who we are, this is who we are, I would be a bazillionaire 10 times over. Because we had to realize if we're going to establish this core culture, this impact DNA, this impact family culture, then we're going to have to stick to our guns and make sure that we don't waver whatsoever. And so what we saw at the end of that first season of our church's existence, whether that was through our small group ministry or some of the social events we did or some of the different things that we, we did, we used to do our 101, if you can call it that, our foundations class, in small groups, and we found that that was incredible in connecting people. We used to call it our foundations class. We established the pastor's potluck in that beginning. That was awesome. We actually had our first pastor's potluck the second Sunday. But what we saw was the significance of connection. The second season is what I'm going to call 2011 to 2017, but a six-year period. And what we did in that, that series of, uh, of months and years was to, to intentionally build the foundations of people's theology and doctrine in order to help them grow. Um, one of the things that we saw when we started a church is whenever you have a church plant, any church plant automatically draws a wide variety of people. And one of the things that we saw very quickly was a wide variety of opinions on everything that you can think of under the sun theologically. And so we had to make sure that we are setting the foundations into place. So we, we started to introduce things like the Life Tracks classes, which is now our Equip classes. We introduced electives. We introduced our Encounter Retreat to help people process through um, their walk with God. We, we literally developed the deeper worship nights in that season in order to take God, God's people deeper in relationship with Him. Um, our Ignite Youth started in that phase. Our Impact Young Adults started in that phase. And one of the things that we did with that whole thing is we wanted to make sure that we are pouring into each generation the teaching of Christ so that people could grow and be strong. What did we see? Well, the challenge in that season was actually fairly simple, but yet not necessarily the most fun to deal with. But what we saw is we saw a number of people that disconnected from the church and move on in that season. And one of the biggest reasons I would say that we have looked back on and seen as to why that happened is because we went deeper, and not everyone wanted to go there. And so the one thing that we kind of, we just blessed people that would come and go, hey, bless you, that's all good, it's all good, we love you, there's awesome churches in this city, Impact is not the only church, amen, right? There's awesome churches in the city, so we basically just said, hey, it's okay, guys, but we did see a definite pruning in that season because of some of the choices that we made to establish healthy standards in our church for leaders we saw it in the way that we taught. Sometimes we taught things that people were a little uncomfortable with. But we said, guys, we're going to talk on the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the presence of God. We're going to talk about so on and so forth. Led us to season three, which I believe we're still in. But we're on the precipice of it. And it's what I'm calling building faith to help people activate. This is where we're at. It's stretching our faith to believe for the more of God. This is where we're still in, I believe. Um, it's stretching our faith to believe that God actually wants to use you and God actually wants to activate you for service and for ministry. 
You know, one of the greatest misnomers I grew up understanding in the church I grew up in was this idea that only a few are called to ministry, but no one else is. And what they meant by that is only a few are called to full-time paid positions in, a mission, in the mission field or on a church staff. And that I agree with. But the reality is, so scripturally, everyone's called to ministry. Everyone. Ministry is for everyone. It's not just for some, it's not for a few, it's for everyone. And it doesn't matter your age. God can use anyone at any age, at any time. Amen? But in this season, we wanted to help people put into practice and activate what they learned. So the challenge for us over the last two years, being very transparent with you guys this morning, is what I'm calling the four chairs concept. And I think we have a picture of it here. Awesome. So we did something two years ago, or a year and a half ago, and we talked about the four chairs or the four types of people that will be at uh, any given impact church event at any given time. There's the chair one, which is the first chair called the curious. So these are people that maybe have just made a decision to follow Christ. Maybe they're brand new to the faith. Maybe they've never even heard of Jesus, and they're showing up in church, and they don't know nothing. Nothing. Chair two are people that have of, uh, uh, connected to the church. They're, they're tracking with the church. They're, they're maybe involved in some sort of small group, or maybe they're helping a little bit. The committed are those that have gone to a whole other level of commitment. These are people that own the house. This is their church. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that we make it the best possible version of this church as possible. And the catalysts are what I call the crazies. Yeah. They're the crazies. They're the ones with vision. They're the ones that are initiating. They're initiators. They don't wait for someone else to do something. They initiate. That's what they are. They are people that not only own the vision, but reproduce the vision. Okay? Here's the problem that we've been finding over the last two years that we have worked very hard at doing. I actually had this incredible conversation with our interns on Friday about this difficult process. How can you go deeper in the presence of God, allow the Spirit of God to move, but at the same time be considerate of all four chairs in the room? Because they are. They're here right now. There's chair one people here, chair two people here, chair three people here, chair four people here, right? So the challenge for us is how can we bring everyone together, but at the same time allow the Spirit of God to move and have His way? We good? So I'm saying that so that you are fully aware of what we're aware of. We're very aware of this problem, and we are constantly, constantly working on it, constantly uh, trying to find ways to teach on it or to share some things about what's happening. Um, that's why we believe so strongly in our core teaching through Equip because it, it literally develops the foundation in which all these experiences can jump off of. Um, but it's led us to this moment over the last 18 months where we have literally been thinking about the next season. Say next. next. I'm excited about it. And so what it's been doing for us personally is God has been renewing our passion big time, (laughs) big time. He's been refocusing our hearts onto what matters most, and he has been challenging our effectiveness, and it's resulted in asking ourselves four key questions that have been on repeat for the last 18 months. The first question is this, can our current structure handle the growth that is coming? How many know we are about to grow? How many know that we're about to grow? 
That was not coerced in any way whatsoever. Not manipulated. <laughs> never. That was sincere, authentic response. Thank you, Jesus. Two, can our current resources handle that growth? So that's not just talking money, although it definitely involves money, but it also involves volunteers. It involves ministry opportunities and resources that we sometimes even have to purchase in order to do certain things, okay? Three, can we as your three pastors handle that growth? And I'm going to answer this very succinctly for you. No. Thud. We can't. And this is one of the heaviest things that have been going through my heart for 18 months is I'm excited, I'm dreaming, I'm envisioning, I'm blah, 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 and I keep looking at it going, there is no possible way that I can stretch myself beyond where I'm at. There's no way. Unless God clones me, creates a second Cameron, but that would be far too much for any of you people to handle. So one is enough, but here's the, and I want to, I, the one thing that we have done at Impact Church from day one is we're authentic, we're honest, we don't beat around the bush. We have come to the conclusion we cannot handle that because of where our personal time is and where we've purposed our time. And the, third, or the fourth question is this, is there a more effective way to do Impact Church? And that is literally what we've been working on for the last 18 months. Is there a more effective way? And I'm going to throw in some different words. Is there a more simple way? Is there a better way? Can we simplify the process? Can we make it easier to understand? How do we keep people activated on mission, but at the same time not be at 53 different meetings all the time from our perspective? Is there anything that we're missing? And so I want to tell you this this morning that we are tracking and we are getting super excited about some of the things that God is downloading to us. And some of that will be touched a little bit on today, but some of the stuff is going to be literally unwrapped for the next year into 2020 and really probably right to the end of 2020. But I'm prepping you for it. But it's been the same through every step of our journey, through every season. There's a couple of things you need to know. Number one, who we are will not change. You're stuck with me. (laughs) I feel bad for you. But who we are is not going to change. Our values are not going to change. Impact is impact for a reason. We've worked hard for 10 and a half, almost 11 years to make sure that our culture, our values, our vision, our theology, our our Bible-centeredness, if you can call that, is focused and is strong. But how we do some things and who will do some things is going to change. So we have to process through that. So as we get to this next season and as we start to envision the next season or season four as I'm calling it for Impact Church, one of the things that we've been talking about is we want to take the the themes or the life lessons we've learned from the previous three seasons and make it a focal point in the next season. Connection is important. Growth is important. Activation is important. We want you to connect to the Father's love for you and understand your identity in Christ. We want you to grow in what Christ has done for you and grow in the Word, which is Christ the Son. And we want you to be activated for service and activated in the power of the Holy Spirit to do whatever God's called you to do. Tying in perfectly the the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what are we calling next season? What are we going to call it? We're calling it, which just so happened to be the very words that James prayed in this morning's prayer which I always find funny when God prays it out in the midst of pre-service prayer. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, that's my notes. (laughs) All right, that's awesome. We are here 
for the next season of our lives to facilitate impact. It's no longer just about building a foundation. It's no longer just making sure the footings are in place. It's already in place. It's no longer even about building the first floor anymore because the first floor is in place. It's now time to build up and to extend. So if you ever thought about extensions (laughs) on the back of a house, I don't know about you, they're awesome sometimes, but it's time to extend. It's time to enlarge our capacity. It's time to facilitate impact. And interestingly enough, this word facilitate means to make something clear. Well, what are we making clear? Jesus in the city. We want to make Jesus so clear that you, there's nothing in you that is going to miss that Jesus is the only answer. Everything about us has got to be Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. It says the next kind of definition is to assist the progress of a person. How many know that from the very moment this church was developed, this word, house of healing, house of restoration, has been prophesied over this house for so many years that if I get one more prophet, I just see a house of healing. I'm like, yeah, I never heard that one before. But there's a reason, because there's broken people that need Jesus. And God has desired and designed the church to be the hands and feet of Jesus in that process. I remember about 12 years ago, about a year before we moved to Kingston, there was a prophet, his name's Danny Benia, one of the big, big prophetic voices in our fellowship, calls us out in a meeting and basically said, I just see over you, God is going to surround you with broken people. And I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, yay! <laughs> yes, Lord, I love broken people, it's awesome. And, and then I came to realize, well, that was me. I was like, you know when God shines the mirror in front of you and you're like, I don't like, I don't want that, Lord. Just go away. Shoo, shoo, Jesus, right? But I realized I'm equipped to help broken people because I was that broken mess. And I see a room full of people that were once a broken mess and are not broken anymore. Yeah, still being made whole for sure. Hey, we're all on the journey. It's all good. But God desires us to assist the progress of a person, to do what? Next definition, to move forward. (laughs) To move forward and to help bring about impact in our lives, in our church, in our city, and beyond. So one of the things that we've been talking about is our focus. What's our focus in this next season? Well, the first thing is this. Our focus is to reach the city. In other words, we want to see gospel impact. That's what we want. The second thing is this. We want to restore Broken people to what? Their identity in the Father, in the Father's love. So it's about identity impact. The third thing we want to do is to raise up believers. In other words, we want to activate impact in and through people. And we're going to talk about an idea that we're going to do later on. But I honestly believe there's a fourth element of this that is stirring up in our hearts that we've never talked about to this church ever before. Is that we honestly believe that one of the reasons why we, especially here, have to be freed up of more things is because God is getting our ducks in a row and getting our, our, the things that we do in a row and perfect them because I honestly believe it's only a matter of time before churches come calling and say, hey, can, can, we, can we run Hands of Hope like what you guys do? And we're going to go, here's the binder. Hey, Can we run an encounter retreat like what you guys do? Here's the binder. 
hey, I love your, your discipleship classes. That's awesome. Can we get your stuff? Here you go. We believe that over the next year, two years, three years, four years, that God is going to start to allow us to resource churches with what God has put in this house. Not, I want you to understand that is not an, I'm not saying that arrogantly. I actually say that with humility. But there's certain things that keep happening here, and God's reminding us, get your stuff ready. But Lord, I'm not ready. I have to perfect that. Well, then get ready, because that's what we're feeling. We're about to resource the kingdom. I'm going to mention this idea because I'm just so proud and so excited. But many of you would not know this. But Carla Wood, for the last year, has been writing all of our kids' curriculum for every class. And the conversations that are going on between us and others is like, why couldn't we bless other churches with this? And what she did is she got so excited about the Equip 101 class, she's like, I can take the 101 and, and, and develop teachings for our kids so that they're getting the same information their parents are getting. And so she's developed it for all of the classes. Every week they're going through 101. It's awesome. And you look at that and you go, why can't we develop that for somebody else? Why would we hog it and keep it all to ourselves? So I'm saying this to say, God's stretching us, he's moving us, he's getting us ready. So what's the challenge? Well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest, and don't throw things at me, okay? First thing is this, we need to have faith for our future. It, it can't just be like, hey, we're going to pray about it, we're going to sing songs about it, we're going to talk about it. No, we have to literally have faith for our future. And I love James because it ties in the concept of faith with works. Now, we don't do works to impress God, but... Faith is an action word. Faith acts. It does something. And so what I want you to know this morning is we need you. Sandra's going to share at the end this morning just some of those concepts. But we need you. The second thing is this. We need you to think of impact as your church. Not the church you come to, not the church you attend, not just any church. You, you've got to see this church like it's yours. And that the church is only going to go as far as you are connected and committed and following through on it. Because here's what we've seen in the development of our church. In year one, we had about 120 people on average the first three years. And we had about 20 people that carried the load of the church. And I'm grateful for those people. In that second season, we had about 130, 140 people in the church. And in that season, I'd say we had about 50 people, maybe 60, that really carried the weight of the church. In this season, we are pushing 175. We've had Sundays even in the last two months, so we've gone over 200. And if you were to ask anybody that would call this church home, we're, we're definitely over 200 as far as the amount of people that call impact home. And right now, we probably have about 80 people that are, that are owning this church. We need to double it. That's just simply what we need to do. We need to double that number in the next year. Because what happens is, the more people get into place, other people are freed up. Right? So what we need to do is create a vacuum effect. As people are stepping in, people are moving into other things. There are certain people that are doing things to serve because they're just serving. 
but they're not in their sweet spot. We need to get people in their sweet spot. Good work. The third one is this. I'm going to call Devin up at this time. He's just going to share from the stewardship team's perspective. But the third thing is this, is our finances, and I'm going to let Devin explain, but our finances in the last year have taken a pretty good hit. Um, And it's affecting a lot of things. So I'm going to, again, because we're doing family time this morning, so we need to hear it. Amen. (laughs) Uh, but Devin's going to explain from the stewardship team's perspective just some of the journey in the last year as to where we are financially, um, and then I'm going to jump back in. Good morning. Um, so, uh, as Pastor Cameron just said, um, over the last year, uh, we've had a significant downturn in our finances in the year of 2018 with a decrease of about 22.7%. Because of this downturn, the stewardship team has had to make some hard decisions um, to make up for the $75,000 less than what was originally budgeted for at the start of the year. So some of those changes that happened were as of May 1st, 2018, all of the ministry budgets were frozen. Uh, Also, as of May 1st, 2018, all the pastor's hours were reduced. This still continues to be the case with an unknown timeline as to when we can put all the pastors back to full-time hours. All visionary items were put on hold, so only that what was needed to essentially run the weekly ministries is what happened at a minimal level. Uh, As a result of the 2018 financial situation, some things that the stewardship team are having to consider for this year of 2019 is potentially having to eliminate our church office at 1681 Bath Road. There's also the potential for further staffing hour reductions. The church being limited um, in what visionary ministry opportunities that we can pursue. Uh, I know that everybody here loves our outreaches, Back to School Bash, Hands of Hope, Um, and if you haven't, just ask somebody in here and they'll be glad to give you lots of information on it. Um, But I would challenge you with a few thoughts. So how would everybody feel if we no longer did these events? How would you see Impact Church? How would we see Impact Church? How would others view Impact Church um, or our city view Impact Church? Would it be the same? I don't think so. Uh, These are two of our signature events. They show our city that we are a September and December giving church. Who here thinks that we should be an all-year-round giving church? I know I do. (laughs) So, um, the problem is right now that uh, we can't. We can't be an all-year-round giving church. It's just kind of the sad fact of the matter. uh, Because we're limited with our finances. Um, So there's a difference between offering and tithes. An offering can give, uh, can be for a special event, like back to school bash or hands of hope, etc. 
These can be special extensions of love to church family, to our community, and to the world. Impact is awesome when it comes to these types of things. However, there are also daily needs. Uh, in our church family, in our community, and in the world. This is where the tithe comes in. The tithe is to, pro- is to provide the means for the church to serve on a daily basis. So, when you think tithe, think uh, about what work, sorry, <laughs> think about what great work the church is doing and how much more it could do if it wasn't held back by its financial resources. We have heard many testimonies of um, the great work that this church is doing and has done. However, there are needs in our community that are not being met uh, because we don't have the finances to help. Also, the pastors are not being able to meet all the demands on their time. If our lack of finances continue um, and the church office has to be closed, the internship, the good work they do, and the raising up of leaders will be lost. There will be people in our city that won't be reached as resources are diverted to running of the church. So, is there anything wrong with giving offering? Of course not. And it is part of what we are called to do. In Deuteronomy 16, 17, Every man, it says that every man shall give as he is able, in accordance with the blessing which the Lord has given you. Offering is part of giving that we are called to do, so I don't want to take away from that. But when you go from giving an offering to giving a tithe, you step into something different. You support the pastors and the people that they are helping, both in the church and in the community. You support needs in the city that nobody else can address. You help to raise up the next generations of leaders to reach this church, this city, this nation, and the world. You help God's church create a footprint in this city. You honor God by using your finances in the way that he intended. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that excites me. When God makes a promise like that, that I can't help but step up to the plate. God is telling you to try him in tithing and watch what he will do. So, as the steward team and the pastoral team believes right now, let us have faith for our future. The one thing that we've, we've seen is, is um, 
and finances are always a difficult thing to talk about because I want to, I mean, I want to be honest with you and say, it's awkward for us as much as it's awkward for you. It's awkward. Very awkward. I don't like it. But what you need to understand is that up until this point, I mean, the church is doing awesome. If you, if you were to actually look at our church and kind of just evaluate it according to the presence of God, we're doing great. Bio, you know, discipleship, doing awesome. Worship, awesome. Care, concern, follow-up, all those things, it's good. But the one thing that we've kept landing on is we, we have seen this downward trend for the last year. And the reason we need you to know this today, number one, we want to invite you to partner with us, for sure. But the second thing is this, is um, we're at the point right now where you're going to see some tangible changes potentially very soon if we cannot turn it around. That will affect you. It just will. Um, And that's just where things are at. We are excited about the future. But the one area, I had someone ask us about six months ago, you know, what, fairly new to the church, said, what's the one weak area of our church? And I went, honestly, it's tithing. It's just the one weak area of this church. Everything else has always been a strength. But the financial support is awesome when it comes to outreach. Not so much when it comes to the daily, week-to-week, month-to-month expenses of the church. And so I want you to know, number one, that we have faith for the future more than we've ever had before. We do. We see the potential of this house more than we've ever seen it before. But we need you. We need you, we need you, we need you. Amen? All right. So when it comes to this facilitating impact, we've kind of landed on four different thoughts that is going to start getting us ready for that vision. First thing is this, and I wanted to share it with you so that you guys are in the know. First thing is this, my time as the lead pastor is going to be more protected than, than before, not because I'm not going to be super friendly and not because I'm not going to connect with people, but one of the things that we've kind of talked through is how can we free me up to get ready for the next season and to get our church ready for the next season because the time involved in that is bigger than sometimes we think. And so this is what we've landed on as far as what my role is going to be looking like in adjusting to over the next year. Teaching and preaching, obviously, is a, I'm a main feeder of this church. I speak about 65 to 75% of the time, and um, I'm going to continue to do that. Vision planning and strategy, leading and mentoring leaders, and my favorite part, in some ways, is connecting with new people. So anyone that's new, new-ish in the first six months to a year of a church, uh, you're going to get me all the time, because I love it. I love newbies. Um, but that's where we're going to land. The second thing that we've been thinking through is we need to get people into their sweet spot. Okay? And it started with an exercise we started as a staff uh, a number of months back, where we started processing through, yes, I know you can do all of those things, but what's your sweet spot? And so um, it started with Rachel, actually, Rachel, our administrator, and we started processing through, okay, what do we need from her to get us to where we need to get to? What are the things that we need to work on? So one of the things that we realized is our communication as a church was lacking. Our connections on social media was lacking. Our, the, the, the kind of connecting the dots as far as our communication was lacking. So we made Rachel the communications director, and what you're seeing is alignment. You're seeing connection. You're seeing uh, consistency. So she literally is the hub for everything that goes on the church. She's the glue. And she also takes care of our finances. So those are her two main responsibilities. 
Um, then we looked at Pastor Ray, and we went, you know what? I think she would be great as a nursery team lead. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think she's a teardown queen. That's what I think. How many have an inkling as to what her sweet spot could be? How many have ever been blessed by her pastoral care and counseling? Stand up right now. Wow. It's over half our church. Okay, you guys can have a seat. It's awesome. So one of the things that we determined was she is awesome at counsel and pastoral care. And so what we're literally doing um, is Pastor Ray is actually in the process right now of creating a new system for pastoral care and counseling so that everything does not go to her or me or Sandra, but we're actually creating a triage unit from a counseling perspective so that there's assessment phases and then connecting people with whatever issues they're struggling with to the right people so that Ray, myself in particular, are only going to handle the most difficult kind of situations, um, or some of the more kind of, uh, not just difficult in the sense of, of struggle, but even kind of a little bit complicated or dealing with multiple issues um, as far as trying to work people through things. Um, and then there's others that are going to be coming in that are going to be meeting with people. So I'm getting you ready that it's not just going to be Pastor Ray, it's not just going to be myself or Sandra. There's going to be others that are going to be on board and helping with the pastoral care and counseling of the church. So you're going to see that in a triage unit. We're good? We looked at Sandra, and part of the problem with Sandra is she can do a lot of things. I know, that's the problem. And she reminds me of that on a daily basis. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But part of the problem with being a church planter for Sandra and I is that we did at one point have our hands on pretty much everything. And so... Um, I'm just prepping you right now, and we don't know what this is going to look like, but the one big factor that we landed on with Sandra, and most people don't know to the extent she does this, Sandra is the face of impact in this city. So every organization knows Sandra. Every organization knows her name, her face, because she stops by. Everyone we've ever dealt with knows Sandra. So when they think impact, they think Sandra. So what we wanted to do is to make sure that she becomes really focused on evangelism, outreach, and the connections in the city more than she's ever done before, which means it's going to affect other things, including worship. So we may not see Sandra on stage as often as she used to be, and we have to be okay with that. We're going to raise up other people. We're going to get other people on here because... We need to go to the next level. She's still going to be involved, of course. She's a worshiper at heart. She'll be up on stage. But may not be three or four times a month like she is now. Maybe it's once a month, twice a month. Maybe it's once a month. I don't know. Um, But we're good with that? So this idea of the sweet spot has been a constant topic. Third thing is this. We need to make room for the next generation. And by next generation, I do not mean age, although it does incorporate age. It means those that have the hand of God on their life, that God is doing things in, that there's growth, there's development, there's connection, there's commitment to this house, and we're going to create a vacuum effect and create room for these people. So one of the things that we're thinking through and processing through is how do we make room for the next generation of leaders? That's literally what we're talking about. Um, Because we need to expand our volunteer capacity, we need to expand our leadership capacity, 
Because the more people are involved taking care of different things, the easier it gets. I'm sure Colleen could speak to this. She's had an incredible group of team leads that have been part of Impact Kids for the last year, and her life is so much easier. We're going to try to do the same thing across many different spheres in our church, where there's leadership teams, people responsible for different things so that we can let go of more. And the last thing is this. We need to be open to change. Wow, no one, threw any, no one threw a single thing at me. That was awesome. So what's changing? Um, our next steps process for people at Impact is going to be more clear, more defined, so that the moment someone comes into this church, they're going to know exactly what next steps are to get involved. Second thing is this. Our discipleship pathway at Impact is changing. Some of it's going to look the same. Some of it's changing. Um, One of the things that we've talked about over the last 18 months is there's a number of people that are choosing equip or choosing small groups. But a lot of people that would be choosing small groups aren't coming to equip, and a lot of people coming to equip aren't coming to small groups. We've noticed this pattern for a number of years. And so one of the things that we're thinking through is there a better way to do both in a different way? And the answer to us is yes, and God is showing us some of those things. So I don't want to necessarily roll anything out right now, but it'll be rolled out into 2020, and you'll see what that looks like. But it's the desire to be more effective. We want to have a very clear leadership pipeline and a very clear way to, to determine whether there's a call on your life for leadership. Because one of the areas that people get hurt in church, unfortunately, is when leaders are in leadership positions who are not really qualified or called to be in that role. They can hurt people. So we want to make sure that impact is a safe place. Amen? Um, It's going to involve different people leading different ministries. It's going to involve different people more focused on a particular ministry. But it also involves a brand new look. Now, before I show you this stuff, I want to make mention of two things in case you had any questions about the financial situation. One thing that we do as a church is we fulfill our commitments. So we had two things that we committed to in January of 2018 that we've had to pay for and we committed to. Number one is Charlie coming in June, which we're excited about. We already committed to him in in January of 2018, so we're not going to renege on a commitment financially. We're going to do anything we can, and we've been doing everything we can over the last 18 months to prepare for this. The second is, is we started a new branding exercise in January of 2018 that we are not done with because we're waiting to be able to pay for more things to move forward, But I can say this morning that I can show you what it's going to look like. Are you ready? Okay. So I'm going to get some help shutting off these lights over here. And James is going to put up. Actually, can we get that backlight too? Maybe open the back doors just so we have a little bit of light in here. I just want this to to pop off the screen. So this was when we came in September of 2008. That's what we looked like, which is similar to what we have now, just different colors. And what we realized was that was just too cold. It didn't represent our church at all. We're a warm, friendly place. We love people. That's how we are. So we changed the colors to reflect that in 2014, which is what we look like now. More of warm tones, warm colors. And before I get James to click on to the next one, I want to make it abundantly clear that these are not necessarily the colors of impact because what we wanted to do with our new logo 
was create a logo that will work on any color in any platform, anywhere, social media, no matter where it is, it's going to work on any platform. So what I want you to be looking at is the markings of it, not necessarily the colors of it, okay? We good? So as of 2020, year 2020, we're going to have a 2020 vision. We're going to look like this. Yeah. And if we can go to the next slide just to see the next one. This is how it's going to work in different colors. I wanted to show a red and a blue, but it's markings that are going to work. And later on, I'm going to explain the marking to you and the icon and the logo. And when you understand the, the, the thinking behind it, it'll make sense. This is what it'll look like on social media. This would be a Facebook header, the next one. So what we wanted to do was find something that could work on multiple platforms with a marking that would be our unique marking for ourselves. And so we are excited about that. All right, we can get the lights there. Thanks, guys. So, how are we going to have faith for our future? Well, there's four things. And I'm going to give you something tangible that we're doing about these four things so that we can track along. The first thing is this. We, we are obviously incredibly aware of the financial roadblocks, but here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to not accept it. It's that simple. We refuse to accept this financial roadblock, and we're going to make sure that this church can win this city for Christ and do whatever is necessary to care for those that are here and to care for those that are outside. I don't want you to accept it. I want you to take it personally. My hope today is very simple. I'm going to give away all my secrets. For too many years, certain people have carried the, the weight of responsibility of this church but it didn't flesh out across a large number of people. I want each of you, if this is your home, to take that personally. How can I get involved? If you're already a tither, thank you. Just keep doing it. <laughs> but if you're not, I want, to, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider tithing. I want to, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider uh, tracking with God on that particular thing. We need as many people as possible to own this opportunity. Um, Actually, James, I am going to stick up that uh, building fund thing there. I don't know if you can grab it quick. But you guys have done awesome this year with the building fund, for those that would want to know. We are already over $40,000 pledged for our $50,000 goal. We're less than ten grand towards our building fund uh, goal of 50000 this year. Uh, Rachel, off the top of your head, just approximate, what are we at in the bank right now? Oh, is it there? Oh, 192. Sorry, it was right up there. Just under $200,000 set aside for the building fund, so kudos on you guys. Okay, point two, we want to see the more of God. <laughs> That's why Charlie's coming. We had talked about back in April, May, should we cancel Charlie, and we're like, no, first of all, I can't do that for the sake of integrity, but I feel like he's got something to deposit into our church, and we had to have him here, okay? But for those that are new to the church, most summers we shut down over the summer. We totally shut down. We don't do anything other than just Sunday services. But we're not going to do that this summer. Um, here's what we're going to do. We are going to set up um, worship and prayer nights all across the city in different homes, um, probably every other Wednesday night, starting around Father's Day weekend, and it's going to go right through 
to our opening service for our kickoff anniversary service in September. Because we believe that what we need to do first and foremost is pray. Prayer is the engine room of this church. It will always be and it will continue to be. But we need people um, to pray with us. And so we're literally, you'll see all the information about that rolling out in June. But there's going to be prayer and worship nights in homes across the city for the whole summer. So for some of you, you may just come to one. It's okay. Some of you may come to two. Some of you may come to all of them. It's okay. There's no pressure on anyone to come to many or all or little, whatever you want to do. As long as we have two or three people, the Bible says Jesus is there in the midst. So we're good. Two or three is enough. All right. Third thing is this. We become increasingly aware of the fact that God is setting people in our church. As Psalm 68 says, he's setting the solitary in families. And I believe we're about to go to a whole nother level of care for people that are about ready to step through the doors of this church. People need Jesus. And I believe that the word house of healing is going to go nuclear over this house in the next year and a half. We need to be here for people. We need to be able to support and encourage and get people to where they need to get to in God. So there's a couple of things that we're going to do. First thing is I want to encourage our guest ministry team. If you're in guest services and you do anything with greeting, ushering, welcome center, uh, cafe, kids check-in, because that's a connection point too. First of all, I want to say thank you. You have no idea that most people make up their mind about me long before they came through those doors. It's how they're welcomed is what makes their heart open to receive from the worship and the word. So I want to say, in this next number of months, our goal is to make our guest services the most ridiculously amazing wow experience of every new person's life. And it's going to start simply with the way that we care and engage with people. So if your guest services, thank you. You're knocking it out of the park. Keep going. Um, But what we're going to do is we're actually going to adjust one little thing in our church starting next Sunday. Our pre-service prayer, we are going to make sure is done at 9.45 every single Sunday morning. We're going to start five minutes earlier at 9.25. And what we are going to ask you to do, if this is your home church, I want you to consider the service times not 10 a.m. till 11.25, but 9.45 till 11.40. So that in the first 15 minutes before service starts, in the first 15 minutes after service ends, is going to be about connection, not with the people you already know, but with people you don't know. We are going to make it family time 15 minutes prior to and 15 minutes after. Because I'm telling you right now, People are coming to church as skeptical, not because of anything you've done, but because that's what people are like today. People are coming a little unsure because maybe they haven't been in church in a long time. Maybe they have never been in church. So what we want to make sure that they understand is that they're loved, that they're cared for here, that this is a safe place for them, and that Jesus wants to meet them today. And so we are literally going to start this next Sunday. Um, we're not waiting. Some of you may be able to do the before service but can't do the after because of some other commitments. That's okay. It's still a win. Some of you can do the after but not the before. That's okay. That's a win. Some of you can only do it once a month. That's okay. That's a win. Anything more than what we're doing today is a win. Right? We good? 
And the fourth one is this. Every puzzle piece is needed, and Sanders is going to share a couple of thoughts here. We're coming in for a close. Every puzzle piece is needed. And I'm going to get her to explain some things in a minute. Um, but what we are doing to help with this process, because how many know it's great to say, hey, yeah, I'm needed, but where? What am I good at? I don't even know if I'm good at anything. So what we are literally doing is we are developing a specialized small group starting in the fall that we're going to call Discover. And it's a Discover small group. And I actually hope the whole church goes through it. And for this, the fall months, September, October, November, December, we are literally going to go through this process in our small groups of discovering our gifts, discovering our personality, discovering how to connect with different people, and finding our sweet spots in the, in the church. Because we want to see you guys in your sweet spot too. If we're just in our sweet spot, but you're not, then everyone loses, right? We want everyone in their sweet spot. Amen? All right. Um, I'm actually going to steal a, a story that Pastor Ray had shared, but uh, she's uh, not feeling the greatest today. So I want to share with you um, this, this story. Of, how many know who Winston Churchill uh, was? Okay. So during the Second World War, he was the Prime Minister of Great Britain. And uh, during the war effort, he, would, uh, he, he was phenomenal at inspiring people. And so he would hold these incredibly inspirational speeches. And he would um, encourage people on the front lines, on the battle lines, that, that you're important and what you're, you're doing matters. But he did something very strategic during the Second World War that um, I don't know if any other prime minister had done. Uh, but instead of only going to the front lines and sending messages to, to people that were out there in the battle... He actually started going into the coal mines, in the little mining towns, in those obscure little places. And he would actually go into the coal mines. He would gather the miners, and he would start speaking to them about the effects of the war and about how, how we're going to win this war, and if we work together, we're going to win this war. And he brought them together, and, and with them sitting right there in the coal mines with their dirty faces, he would say, do you know that what you're doing right here is helping us win the war? And he said, in generations to come, you can read this speech, he literally said, in generations to come, people are going to come and say, how did we win this war? And in future generations, they're going to thank you for going into those coal mines and for cutting that coal. Because that coal is what fuels the ships, that carries the equipment, that takes it to the front line. So if you were not in there, in that coal mine, we would not be winning this war. And so what we want to say to you today throughout this whole thing, I know there's a lot of information, a lot of things to chew on, but what you do matters. What each and every one of you can do matters, not just to this church so that we can give ourselves a good pat on the back and say, hey, we did good today, we had a good service. But what everyone does right here and right now, the way that you represent Jesus Monday through Saturday the way that you engage and do your part as part of this house and an ex as an extension of this house makes a difference. Because in the end, we're in this together. And God has already won the battle, so we're not in the battle in the same way uh, that they were in the Second World War. But what we want to say is that just like a puzzle piece, how many have ever built a puzzle and gotten to the end and you're missing a piece? Okay, how did you feel in that moment? It's so frustrating. You should see our two young ones if uh, that happens. It's, it's a sight to behold. Because it's very frustrating. 
But can I say this morning, what we want to communicate as a pastoral team, we want to say you are needed, you are wanted, and you are important. Because just like a puzzle, we need each and every one of you with your unique shape and form, which is why we want to do this Discovery Small Group in the fall, to help you. If you're not sure of what you actually are good at or where you actually fit, we simply want to help you find your fit because this church is a great church. But it's only going to get greater as, as each person finds their fit and as you recognize and realize that your pattern, your particular piece, your shape is so important in order to complete that puzzle. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.